football on off the ball with sky all the football you love in one place across sky sports bt sport and premier sports Welcome back. So we're talking World Cup. We're down to four. Argentina, Croatia on Tuesday evening is coming your way. And then France, Morocco on Wednesday evening. Drama across the final matches in the group stages, the last 16 and now the quarterfinals. It has been extraordinary, you would have to say. France 2, England 1 is what we're talking about now. Fine margins has been the very common refrain across the board. many gave France the lead. Brilliant strike. One touch and strike from a standing start through the legs of Jude Bellingham, curled away from Pickford. Harry Kane made it one all from the penalty spot 10 minutes into the second half. Then against the run of play, I think it's fair to say, and via Harry Maguire's hand, Olivier Giroud did his thing. He scored what would be the winner. And then, of course, there was the late drama. Harry Kane unable to repeat the trick from the penalty spot, blasting over the bar in the 84th minute. Marcus Rashford's free kick also just over the bar was the last kick of the game. Philippe Beauclair is with us. That summary, of course, completely unnecessary. The whole world made a point of watching this game. Uh, this was a quarterfinal of a grand scale, Philippe, an absorbing game. Probably the game of the tournament so far, so in terms of the quality of, of some of the football. And in the end, the team that is used to winning has won and the team that is, unfortunately for them, used to uh, falling late in tournaments um, um, fell again. And uh, there is, of course, as you can imagine, great enjoyment in France, re- rejoicing even. But um, there's also uh, the awareness of the fact that uh, France progressed to the semi-finals uh, through their talent, uh, the determination, their will to win, but also with a big slice of luck. Mm. And it's such an unsatisfactory thing to reach for luck. But even Didier Deschamps, who knows what it takes to win across his career, he made the point of saying there was lots, you know, not lots of luck, but certainly a fair degree of luck in there. And that's uh, required. And the English press actually is quite interesting to read through the papers this morning because you never quite know, will there be vilification or retribution for various uh, figures involved, be that Kane or be that Southgate. But the English press right across the border saying this is different. This is a different England loss at this stage. Yeah, it, it feels completely, it felt completely different during the game as well, because we remember what happened um, against Croatia in 2018. We remember what happened against Italy in the final of Euro 2020 and England taking the lead and uh, suddenly uh, um, deciding that it was time to go back in their shell. Um, this time it didn't happen at all. Um, England were on the front foot played quite bravely uh, at times and were faithful to what their manager had said um, would be their game plan, which is basically to try and expose France's weaknesses. And they caused huge problems. And had it not been for another exceptional performance by Hugo Lloris, whom I think is certainly carries on being underrated, which is extraordinary for somebody who has had a career that he's had with uh, his national team, um, would have probably uh, uh, been... You know, given England a place in, in the semis. So, yes, I, I think that the whole media climate, in any case, uh, has changed around this England team since Gary Southgate took over. And um, that there is far, um, there is not the kind of animosity and antagonism that there have been under previous managers, where you felt that people were just there waiting to snipe uh, at them as soon as something was not quite working. But I think it was so obvious that England actually did all they could do uh, in the in the present circumstances, 
Um, also, I think a great deal of uh, a respect for the dignity with which they accepted uh, their fate. Uh, the fact that Guy Southgate and quite a few of his players uh, were loath to uh, criticize the referring, which was very criticizable, but they didn't try to hide behind that. And I think this this kind of dignity um, is reflected in the way the game has been covered and, and also has been talked about among fans. That plus the fact, of course, the quality of the performance and the age of that team, um, which is still very low, um, make it look more like another step in the right direction. Mm. And um, I, I was talking to some to some French friends and, and some English friends as well too earlier this morning, and I said, well, maybe this moment will be something comparable to what Sevilla 1982 was for France. Um, when we felt that we had, you know, lost on penalties to the Germans, but completely undeservedly, but it was used as a, a springboard to something bigger, which was the, the win in the Euro 1984. Sometimes that, that's what happens. And there's definitely feeling, I think, that the arc of growth of that England team hasn't come to an end uh, on that night, mm. but that on the contrary, there is something to be built on, especially if Gary Southgate carries on uh, taking care of that England team. It's a, a, a slight tangent, admittedly, but one wonders to what extent media sensibilities in the UK are just simply changing regardless, or to what extent Gareth Southgate and his demeanour has maybe expedited that change in coverage of the team. I think he, I think the latter. Uh, he's found a willing audience because I think people wanted to fall back in love with uh, with England, uh, within the fan community, but also within the media. And don't forget that those media are, you know, the people who write and broadcast for them are England fans, most of them. And um, so, yes, there, there was willing on both sides. And I, I, it would feel really untoward. I mean, I've I've heard a few criticisms of Kane and and Southgate, but they're coming from a a fringe of of lunatics. Really, there's no other word for them. And and he's the transformation he's achieved um, is something that everybody is very grateful for. And to be honest, look, looking at it from the outside, from a more neutral point of view, if a Frenchman can be neutral in the present circumstances, it would be complete madness to behave otherwise. This is a very, very good team. And if you look at what Southgate has done after inheriting a team that had lost to Iceland at the Euro, um, took them to the semi-finals uh, of, of the World Cup and the Nations League, uh, the final of the Euro and now quarterfinal, which they lost just and perhaps because of bad luck against the reigning world champions. Well, come on, this is this is remarkable progress. And in fact, if you look at um, the England team over a period of a decade or so, um, this this is probably the most successful that it has ever been. Mm. Um, you know, because the 1966 triumph was not followed or preceded by other great triumphs. Actually, it was preceded and followed by other great disappointments. Yes, this is different. This is a consist consistently a consistent series of results at the highest level. Being one of the top six or eight nations, football nations in the world, is no small achievement. Mm. Generally, given the vagaries of football, games don't pan out as billed. And this was billed as Mbappe versus Walker, and yet the uh, drama and the uh, deciding factors were elsewhere. That first 20 minutes uh, centred for me, and I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts, around the player that you have flagged in all of our conversations, Antoine Griezmann. And then oh God, yes. the other player you flagged across this tournament has been Olivier Giroud. 
and they both came through for France last night in a big way. That first 20 minutes, France had the better of the game, certainly, and Griezmann was at the heart of that. Yes, well, I'm, I'm running out of superlatives for Antoine Griezmann, um, who is, for me, the player of the tournament, has certainly been the player of the tournament for France, um, ever present, well, except against Tunisia, of course, which was a very, very strange game. Um, but uh, he's been put in a position... Um, where he has to do things that he's perhaps never done before in his footballing career. He's always been a nine and a half or a, or a tender support striker, sometimes a, a centre forward. But he's never been this extraordinary mix of a six, a seven, an eight and a ten, uh, which has been throughout the tournament. And the first 45 minutes I, he played uh, last night, to me, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm really struggling to find another 45 minutes by a French midfielder because that's what he is, a midfielder, uh, that can rival with that. I would have to go back a long, long way. And it made me think, if anything, and obviously the uh, for younger listeners, that might not be uh, a reference that will say or speak volumes, but he reminded me of what Michel Platini could do at the absolute top of his game. Uh, perhaps, and um, you know, the goals, less the goals, which might come later in the tournament. I hope so anyway. But he's been he's been astonishing. But Deschamps deserves a great deal of credit for that, by the way. No, not my, as you perhaps uh, know, he's not exactly a, a manager that I'm enamoured with or I was enamoured with. But it took a lot of imagination as well to to think, um, okay, we're missing our two best midfielders, Golo Kante, Paul Pogba. What do we do? Well, we're going to rely on a very young holding midfielder who's going to... Uh, be Makelele Mark II, plus plus the goals. Uh, we're going to have uh, Adrien Rabiot, who is a very inconsistent player um, in a more attacking role. And we'll count on Antoine Griezmann, a nine and a half uh, or nine, who is going to play in the kind of Pirlo role, but at the same time be the main creator. I mean, it takes some imagination to do that, and it takes a real, <laughs> it takes some very special managerial talent to make it work, mm. to have people accept it, and, and especially Griezmann, but to make it work in such a beautiful fashion. Yeah. So, on the on that side, as you said, you know, the game perhaps did not happen where some expected it to happen, but um, so you could say that from an England point of view, it did happen where they were expected it to happen because they wanted to nullify Kylian Mbappe, and to be honest. They did uh, for almost all of the game. They also wanted to target uh, the flanks, and they did to great effect. I don't think Hernandez would like to come across Bukayo Saka anytime soon. Um, but where the game was lost and won apart from luck was the excellence of Hugo Lloris, again, Germany mm. um, and Griezmann doing their job, and of course the incredible Olivier Giroud, uh, the man that you can't put down in strikes you know becomes france's all-time uh leading goal scorer on his own this time not just with dtre and and scoring a goal uh which you know might in in retrospect this is the goal that we might look back on like we look back on the two goals Lyon turam scored in the 1998 world cup yeah that that is saying something yes via harry Maguire's hand again so again the fortunes at play here. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mbappe, all the same when he gets the ball and in the, in the brief glimpses, brings everyone alive, be it in the stadium or at home. Or indeed, if you're on the pitch next to him, all the England players suddenly um, alive to the danger. 
I like I almost laughed out loud in the build up to the first goal where Declan Rice, who was a big man and a strong man and a fast man, decided, well, I'm just going to have to take Mbappe down here. I'm just going to have to foul him and take the yellow card and tried to go right through Mbappe, who rode the challenge. And and you just think (laughs) this guy is is a touch uh, superhuman. So, I mean, um, one suspects that he'll still have a significant part to play somewhere along the line. Is France now... uh, very, very, very firm favourites in your eyes to win the World Cup, Philippe? I think uh, they have to be, uh, regardless of what favourite means in this World Cup. Mm. Uh, if we look back at what happened to Argentina against Saudi Arabia, what happened to Brazil, we could carry on like that. Um, I mean, obviously, Morocco have only conceded one goal, and it was an own goal since the beginning of the tournament. They're superbly organised. They're very, very tough. We don't quite know what the impact of their exertions in previous games is going to be. We don't know how the absence of size um, is going to weigh on their defense, a defense which is already missing a, a few players, but they're so tough to beat. They're, they're, they're as tough as the Greeks were at Euro 2004, plus added menace when they counter. They're a very, very fine, uh, they're a very, very fine team. But on the other hand, I do think that France has got the kind of arguments that will make Morocco suffer more than they did um, in, in their games against teams that tended to try and play too slowly around them. Uh, France has got players who can actually make a difference individually, uh, and, and I don't hesitate to do that. And it can be Mbappé, absolutely. It can also be uh, Dembele. Uh, it can be Griezmann. Um, and um, and even, surprise, surprise, Orient Chouamini, a goal from outside the box at long last, by the way, we haven't had many of those, have mm. we? And um, so, yeah, France would be the logical favourites for the for the whole tournament, to be absolutely honest with you. And uh, their objective has, has been achieved. You might have heard that Didier uh, Deschamps, whose decision uh, it was to remain or to leave after the tournament, should France reach the last quarter, the, the last quartet, uh, will carry on to Euro twenty twenty four. So, after ten years. Uh, in the hot seat, he still has the energy to carry on, and I can understand why. Um, but yes, it's quite logical that France should um, should be the favourite, and um, certainly for their encounter against uh, against Morocco. And beyond that, they are more complete outfits than the Argentinian team. They don't have Messi, but they have got Mbappe, and they are more complete. And whether you could discuss whether Croatia has got perhaps a greater balance all through the lines. Mm. Um, France has, again, got the edge in terms of, of individuality. So it's quite logical that they should be considered favourites and, and quite, you know, I mean, yeah, I was going to say outstanding favourites, which, by the way, might well have been England's place had they won, which is not something that is going to uh, be easy to uh, to swallow, I oh, think, no, in the I, days and I, weeks I, and months to I, follow. I agree with you. I, I feel like last night was the final. I felt like that in advance. Yeah. and. The quality of the two teams, uh, the quality of the game uh, further uh, makes me think that. So, sorry, you said Deschamps is staying on now. I was under the misapprehension yep. that Zidane was waiting in the wings and we'd have Zidane coming to Dublin next March. So, no. No, no, it will be Didier, uh, oh. not Zizou. Uh, so, yes, I'm terribly sorry okay. to disappoint you. 
But it, it was the deal that had been uh, passed before the beginning of the competition. Uh, Noël Legret and Didier Deschamps, the president of the French FA and Didier Deschamps, got together and said, uh, clearly, uh, our objective is to reach the, the semi-finals. If uh, we reach the semi-finals, the decision to remain or to go will be left to Deschamps. And the decision has been taken. He will remain. He's taken the decision himself. So Zizou will have to wait another couple of years at least. But, you know, Deschamps is, uh, is not the oldest um, oldest international manager on the, on the planet. So if it goes well, expect him to carry on. And mm. perhaps, you know, Oscar Tabarez, after all, managed Uruguay for 15 years with some success. Uh, Didier, it will be uh, 12 years when uh, Euro 2024 happens. You know, I wouldn't put it past him to carry on beyond sure. that. Off the ball. The second biggest cheer was Ronaldo warmed up. The biggest cheer was when Ronaldo came on the pitch. There is still this fixation of Ronaldo is coming onto the pitch and he buys Subscribe into that. now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. On uh, Deschamps, so this legendary playing career and now he's morphed into this on the verge of being a legendary manager if they succeed over the coming two games. It's interesting yeah. you say you're not so sure if you rate him all that highly. Uh, can you explain to me, who's not watching no. France week in, week out, where the, the issue is? No, it's not rating him highly. I rate him very highly. Right. It's not that. It's it's the kind of football that he's made his teams play. But I have to say, I've been pleasantly surprised with this this France team in this tournament. I think they've been far more expansive than they've been in the past. And one of the reasons for that uh, is is the presence of, of Griezmann as, as a creator, um, as a deep-lying creator. And suddenly it changes a lot. The ball travels very, very quickly indeed. I mean, some of the angles of passing, some of the movement in the first 15, 20 minutes against England yeah. was just magnificent yeah. to watch. It yeah. was just absolutely magnificent. And we haven't been used to France playing that way. You know, in 2018, uh, in 2016, uh, France were already the, the strongest team in the Euro and how they lost against Portugal in the final, nobody, nobody still, you know, nobody understands. It's ridiculous. Uh, in 2018, the success was built on defence. It was a very, very strong defence and a very strong midfield with, uh, of course, a um, uh, phenomenon that is Mbappé uh, exploding during that tournament. But it was, you know, the results were built on defensive prowess. And this time, I don't think you would say that France's defensively looks very solid. It doesn't. Uh, Hernandez looks a bit of a liability when he's uh, confronted with a pacey dribbler. Uh, his placement is not the best. His judgment is is sometimes appalling. I mean, the, the foul on Mason Mount, I, I still can't understand how he felt he had to do it, but he did. Um, the Varano-Pamecano um, central defensive pairing, even if these, are, these two are, are, are excellent players, they're still not quite clicking as a pair. Uh, and for normal reasons, I think it was only the fourth or fifth game they've played together. Um, Jules Koundé is also playing out of position. Did all right, by the way, against Foden, but he plays it out of position. So you wouldn't say d defense is, is their strong point. Their strong point is the, their ability, whether well, their mental strength is, is exceptional. Mm. Uh, the individual, individual uh, qualities of some of the players is also outstanding. But it's also it's the willingness of that team to go forward and to create danger, which honestly is not something you were seeing with Deschamps' team in the past. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons you can respect and admire a manager for his achievements. And I think 
not to do that for Deschamps would be absolutely ridiculous. But you could at the same time have some regrets thinking actually that team is winning, but it could be even better than it is with him. But yes, there okay. you go to him. The only thing which matters is winning. Yes, very much so. Uh, I do. Speaking of regrets, I do wonder if Griezmann will regret at passing up the chance to have been one of the greatest midfielders of his generation for the last decade. That could be an interesting uh, conversation. Listen, <laughs> he's only 31. <laughs> I give him another four or five years in that role, no problem. Remember sure. how, you know, Andrea Pirlo um, and, and, and others, I think he can do that job for quite a few good years. Uh, I'm curious for your thoughts. I watching very much as a neutral last night. I thought the referee, Wilton Sampao of Brazil... <laughs> was really, really dreadful. And we've had some interesting refereeing performances this tournament. I thought the foul yeah. on Saka in advance uh, of the first goal was more likely a free than not. But beyond that, I thought he was distinctly average and made some strange decisions. And he seemed to need to see about 15 replays of the foul on Mason Mount to give that penalty. I mean, I don't know why he needed replays uh, f- 2 through to 14. Uh, your perspective on the referee last night, his contribution? Um, I think it was. it's remarkable that we had such a wonderful game of football with such appalling referring. I don't think that anybody would, uh, would actually uh, argue the opposite, say that he had a good game. Um, unfortunately, there have been, there've been a few like that. Um, I'm actually wondering if Stéphanie Frappard shouldn't be given you know, both semi-finals and the final because hers was one of the only performances that... Uh, actually made everybody agree that that's a proper referee. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lajos in the um, in, in the Argentina game as well was, uh, uh, was just beyond belief and lost control of the game. And here we had a referee which quite clearly was not quite up, up to scratch. As to taking so much time watching the replays, maybe when he first saw the replay, he, he had a moment, he was struck and thought, how did I miss that? How did yeah. I miss that? Yeah. And um, yes, but the standard of refereeing has been has not been the best, especially in the, the latter stages of the competition, mm. which is strange because normally you would have the best or the better referees being uh, given the privilege of of refereeing those big games. Um, the inconsistency also has been has been a problem uh, from from one ref to the to the next, from one game to the next. So let's hope that the semi finals are are not marked again by refereeing, um, you know, uh, quarrels and controversies as we had. You know the uh, Argentina Netherlands game. It was actually toxic, and the referee, the players were the first to be responsible for that. But the fact that the referee lost control of the game also played its part. So let's hope we're a bit luckier when it comes to Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes. Uh, before you go, it has been just an extraordinary forty-eight hours in football, and we were making the point in a previous discussion before you came on air that legacies are being decided in the space of hours at the moment. It's akin to that Lenin quote about decades and weeks and weeks and decades. And so Neymar and Ronaldo, there are tears and it's over. Messi is still alive and Bappe is still alive. Mm. Uh, your perspective on the failure of Brazil and then what we've seen from Argentina and Croatia before you go, because I mean, there's a, there's a novel worth of uh, things to say about all three. Uh, for Brazil, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'll try to be, I was going to say polite, I, I'll try to be fair, but I do have a big problem with the perception of Brazil. I, I, to be honest, I find it completely incomprehensible that people keep talking about Brazil as this, uh, 
huge power, uh, which is also uh, offering us the the most beautiful football on the planet. That's that's rubbish. They don't. They they don't. They haven't for decades. And and uh, this whole circus, the the hype about the Jogo Bonito and so forth. I, I to be I, I'll be fair with you. I can't stand it. I really can't stand it. And I I I cannot see what is so surprising. This is not the first time they failed in a World Cup or in the Copa America, for that matter. There is a constant over-evaluation because of the quality of the talent and the depth of the talent. That's probably what is the most extraordinary thing when you see some of the players who uh, you, you see them you know, coming on at the 80th minute. Oh, yes, of course, they've got that one as well. Mm-hmm. And um, But in terms of the, of the football they play, uh, I, where is the uh, beautiful football that people keep talking about? I'm, I, I'm going to say, I mean, maybe I'm blind or maybe um, I don't know. Uh, I Maybe I'm I, I'm not hypnotized by those colors anymore. I haven't been for a very long time. So that goes for Brazil, um, which I, okay. Um, you know, Croatia played some absolutely amazing football too. So um, there you go. Mm. Um, when, when it comes to, to Argentina, um, I still don't know exactly what to think of that particular team. Um, it looks to me it's very strange being, um, you know, you have Messi, who is obviously playing magnificently as well as he's ever played almost, on one end, and on the other, you've got some very, very promising young players. And in the middle, there isn't much. It feels like it's like a, uh, the, it's a very long piece of string um, and in the middle, there isn't much, to be absolutely honest. And you feel that they are, they are too dependent on, of course, on Mrs. Genius and perhaps as well, you know, Alvarez amongst the among the younger ones. But that uh, there's only so far that the the fervor of the traveling fans and the genius of Messi can can take them. Um, and to be honest, look at how they looked in the last few minutes of their game against uh, Netherlands, they completely lost it. Yeah. So they, they are, they're not quite the finished product. Um, Croatia is, is the other one, but I've got nothing but admiration for the way that team performs and, uh, and, and the way they play as well. They, and, and, technically, and, yeah, no, but technically they are absolutely magnificent. Glorious. And, and, and I, I totally agree with you in Brazil, by the way, I find them very wasteful. I watch them and I get yeah. frustrated watching They're They are full of wasteful moments. And then, in fairness to Neymar and in fairness to Richarlison's overhead kick, there are moments of genius in there. But on the whole, it's wasteful. Whereas Croatia, it is a triumph of technique. It's extraordinary how they manage to work the uh, the ball in, in small spaces. The rhythm of their play, that's one thing they have, which I find beautiful, that you have these moments. They, they, they play tunes, they play melodies with the football. So then you will have four, five, six passes in quick succession. And they have got also their own genius. Luka Modric is a genius, and um, not he's not unsung. He's been a Ballon d'Or. Everybody knows how brilliant he is. But some of his play in this World Cup, uh, like everybody, I think I love players who play with the outside of the boot. Yeah. Who uses the outside of the boot better than Luka Modric? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. And it's always the right choice. And it's the perfect arc on the ball. And it's always where the player wants to receive it. And similarly, he receives the ball in impossible spaces and suddenly he, he shimmies by what? One step and suddenly there is space. Mm. He's found it and he's timed the pass. They're absolutely, they're, they're a very beautiful team. 
and and to be honest they they are simply one of the top teams in the world and they have been for a while for good for goodness sake it's not it's crazy that we seem to discover that croatia are good well <laughs> They've been good for a while, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and with this, uh, and they've got young players coming through as well, and 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 it also they they also have an identity. I think if you put different shirts on them, and you saw them play, you think, oh, I think that might be Croatia, you know. Mm. They've got this thing. They've got the style. Yes, and uh, which is one of the reasons I rate them so highly. Uh, Brazil, I don't think they 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 quite know what their style is at the moment. At, at times they were over attacking. At times they were a bit pathetic. Uh, they were lacking the tempo, and it was not the f- false tempo. You know, uh, it's always been this idea of Brazil plays with this false tempo. It's like slow, slow, fast. Well, okay, that was the Brazil of 1970. That was the Brazil of 1982. That was the Brazil perhaps of 2002. Perhaps their last great team. Mm. And and this is not the Brazil that we're seeing now. Uh, it doesn't feel as um, it feels a bit more disjointed than that. If you see what I mean, yes, I do. despite the unbelievable talent of, of of some players in their squad. No, I think that's very fair. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers, Philippe Claire with us live on the line and our football coverage is with thanks to Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.